Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It's showtime. 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 It's showtime. Showtime! And now, here is your host, Warwick Merry. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary. Now, today, we have someone who is, well, she is a professional speaker, an award-winning theatre director, a producer, a choreographer, an actor, a singer, a designer, an overall creative catalyst. Would you please welcome to the show, Simone DeHass. Simone, welcome. Thank you very much, Warwick. Good morning. A good morning. Now, am I saying that right? DeHass, is that how it's pronounced? That is absolutely perfect. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, now, the, the one question that I ask all of my guests when they come on the show is, how do you define success? How do I define success? I've been thinking about this, and I think for me, it's about living my life on purpose. It's, um, as your listeners would have heard in the introduction, I've had a lot of different aspects to my creative life, to my businesses. And for me, it's always about keeping track of where those uh, areas of my life can take me to create more of what I love. And for me, that's about living my life on purpose, tapping into those creative elements and being able to create a business out of those as well. So success, I think, comes in many different shapes and sizes. You know, I've been pretty good at being successful at failure as well along the way. <laughs> and I think that teaches us a great deal. And uh, I think it's really about keeping focused on what are those particular gifts or talents that you have that can just build and grow both yourself personally, but professionally as well? Okay. So let, I want to just drill down a little bit. You've said that um, your definition of success is being able to live life on purpose. So what's your purpose? My purpose is to help people find their voice and to find the stage where that voice belongs. Right. Uh, which makes sense because your business is called the speaker's director. Yeah. So naturally yes. you're, you're using all your theatrical skills and your director and production skills, as well as your, your acting singing skills to help people hear, get their voice. But you're not just talking about as a performer, are you? No. In fact, I uh, work less with performers these days than I do with uh, corporate clients and entrepreneurs, a lot of uh, startups, people who have just got into their business. They don't quite know what their business is trying to say. And so I help them develop their corporate story. So finding their voice in this instance is about drilling down into their business, working out what the purpose of their business is and how that, that can make a change in the world, the kind of change that they want to create and that their voice is the only voice that can do that. So, and when you say voice, you're not talking about, you know, their vocal, you're talking about who is their business, what is it they're trying to achieve and what they sound like, yeah? Yeah, essentially their message. So for me, when I use the word voice, it encompasses a great deal more than the physical attribute. So the voice is how we present in the world. You might think of it as, as personal branding. It's about how uh, your authenticity, your visibility. It's all of those elements that create something unique. So my voice in the world is that of the creative entrepreneur, I suppose, uh, a theatrepreneur, to coin a, a slightly different word. And so my voice is, is very distinctive compared to, say, other people who have maybe a similar background but don't use it the same way. So 
how you voice that message, like your your presence, your visibility, your authenticity, the um, the branding, everything is like speaks that one very uh, coherent and, and clear message for for your target audience. Okay, so let, I want to just do a little bit of tri- time travel with you, Simone. Um, mm-hmm. So now you're running. I know something a bit special here on the Get More Success Show. <laughs> so, well, you're currently running the speakers director and you're working with a lot of the corporate world. So I'm really interested in terms of how did you get there? Like, did you start off as a, um, a, a an actress yourself doing theater and stuff? Like, tell me a bit about your story. And because no, no doubt it's your story that builds your voice. As you said before, you're telling the corporate story. So I'm interested in yours. So give us a bit of a flashback. Okay, so I guess the the most pertinent part of that flashback would be my very first trip to New York uh, quite a few years ago now. I was uh, 20 and uh, my brother took me to New York uh, for the day and took me to see a chorus line at the Schubert Theatre. Now, I'd never be uh, travelled overseas for a start, so that was an eye-opener. I'd never seen a Broadway production, but I'd been introduced to music theatre in high school thought, wow, this, this genre, this is something really different. And I loved it and found I could sing. So seeing a professional production and Chorus Line in particular, which is story of 17, what uh, they call gypsies, Broadway dancers, auditioning for just four spots on the Chorus Line in a Broadway show. And, you know, the, the opening number, which is I Hope I Get It. And there's that uh, incredible passion and, and drive to succeed and living a life on purpose, I guess. And I walked, well, actually, I didn't walk out of that theatre. I floated. I don't recall <laughs> leaving the theatre. I was so immersed in that production. And it, it was a pivotal moment for me. It was a turning point in that I realised that was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Something like that, where right. it wasn't about being on stage, but it was that incredible blend of of bringing every single gift that you had to the fore, being able to really capture everything that you are capable of and and presenting it to the world and, and not being ashamed of or um, hiding any of that light. And so once I realised that that was what I wanted to do, I was currently working in a corporate um, job uh, for the government, actually, and I realised, no, that, that wasn't enough. So I started to essentially just do as much theatre as I could. And it was essentially amateur theatre to start, community theatre. And I looked to study and I thought, well, should I be studying? And somebody who was directing me in my first lead role at the time said, look, don't do it. You'll be bored. Um, You're at an age already where you've learnt a lot and you would have to go back to basics and you'd find that incredibly boring. So I took his advice and I just kept learning on the boards, as they say. And... Mm -hmm. As a result of that, I had done some dancing, had done singing lessons, ended up falling into my first choreography job. Was the person who used to choreograph these children's shows just said, oh, Simone can do that. Um, <laughs> she'd, been, she'd been learning long enough. Simone can do that. It's really easy. And so Simone kind of got thrown into her first choreography job and right. it went really well. So I was very pleased with that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was a success. And as a result of those little successes, I just kept... I just kept following my heart and thinking, okay, what else can I do? And so over time, I built a, a, 
uh, I built my acting portfolio. I started to do some really serious uh, acting roles, music theatre as well. And I moved into directing when, again, somebody said, oh, Simone could do that. And it was a bit like, um, you know, um, Richard Branson says, you know, say yes and then work out how to do it. And my first directing role was pretty much like, and it was an incredibly terrifying <laughs> to be given that kind of level of responsibility when I was still in my early 20s and thinking, oh, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. But I figured it couldn't be too different from choreography, which is about creating pictures on the stage. I just needed to help them work the dialogue as well. And by really just tapping into those different things that I'd learned and I'd been taught, I just continued to develop that craft. But at the same time, I'm still working in corporate world. And so my entire career has developed like that. I have one foot in the theatre and one foot in uh, the traditional career, if you like. And over time, those two paths would um, intersect and would cross over and then they would separate again. Sometimes I would just leave the corporate world for a while and because I would get some professional work as an actor and I would go and do that for a couple of months or a couple of years in some instances. And then, you know, I also had a mortgage at one point and I thought, oh, I really need to go back to work. So I would do that. And so over time, I developed... Uh, skill in both of those areas I learned what it was like to actually work with other people to work in teams and to ultimately I learned how to lead teams by being a director not from working within a team right, yeah. but actually from my theatre world which was really interesting because I've directed um, massive musicals like Les Mis I've directed twice I've directed Cats West Side Story Sound of Music all shows that require huge amounts of cast mm. and uh, orchestras and there's costumes and makeup and backstage crew you know I'm talking about teams of over a hundred working in a community theatre space with a quarter of a million dollar budget being expected to make a profit. Yes. Now, something like that, like a project like that in a corporate arena would have a whole raft of resources behind it. I had a team of about three or four people behind me to help me create that. And we made a profit on the shows purely because we focus very strongly on, um, you know, our why and our purpose for that particular production. So the, the way I suppose that I've developed my career and my business is, has always been to bring aspects of all of those things that I've learned into the business and then to be able to help other people by helping them to understand that they can be multi-creative. You know, I don't see that as being wrong or um, a wrongness. I see that as adding immeasurably to my life and through that being able to share with my audiences that they also can be creative. Their creativity may just show up in a different way to mine. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's a little bit of how I've done what I've done. And over time, I've been given uh, more and more opportunities to then work with corporate clients and sharing with them uh, tools and tricks and techniques that I've worked with with actors for many, many years. And then, you know, in a corporate arena, that's so rare. They, they don't necessarily understand the world of theatre or the world of performance. So being able to bring some of those performance elements into a corporate arena is a real eye-opener for people. It really wakes them up when they think, oh, wow, this is something that actors learn and learn to do every single time they're in front of a camera or on stage. And it's something that they can use in their everyday uh, connecting with people and communicating and how they can be more present in their lives and in their businesses. 
It sounds like a very interesting journey. And uh, one of the key things that from the, the, myself as a lay person hears about actors and actresses is their ability to handle rejection because typically for every role and every production, there's going to be, as you, as you said, there was four spots available in the musical for 17 people going for it. This day and age, it feels like there's one spot available for a thousand people. And now that you're in business, you know, as a, as a entrepreneur, no doubt you're pitching for business that sometimes you don't get. So how do you deal with that rejection or not deal with the rejection? How do you maintain your resilience and being able to, bounce back and bounce back and keep going? I never make it personal. It's probably the simplest, um, my, my little mantra, if you like, uh, even as an actor, like you say, going for an audition, it's, it's very rarely personal. It's subjective, yes, but it's not personal. And there is a difference there because you can go into an audition for a role and it could literally be that you're two inches too short. You know, I'm not a tall person. So that was often an issue for me that I was just too short for a role, um, you know, because they may have already cast a main character that you're playing against and you just physically don't look right. Now, as a theatre director, um, I've been on the, um, the decision end of that a lot of times and I've, I've got someone in mind for a role and I'm trying to find someone who looks like they match. And so that's, that's ena enabled me, I suppose, to look at it from the other angle. What is it that, you know, a casting director is looking for? What is it that somebody who you're across the table for um, an interview what is it that they're looking for? They're just looking for a match and they want to know that they're going to work with someone who they like. So that likability factor is really, really important to be able to uh, create that rapport and build trust. So that's something that, you know, you develop early on as an actor is to be able to build that rapport with an audience. It helps you build a rapport then if in the corporate world, if you're going for an interview or you're pitching for a business, you know, being able to build rapport and uh, develop that trust really, really quickly is essential. And I suppose I'm uh, being very fortunate in that I've been able to develop those skills so I can develop that aspect of the relationship with someone fairly quickly. And then I also just remind myself, this is, this is not a personal thing, that if I don't fit what they're after, there is something that either it's lacking in my experience or it's lacking that they're looking for something slightly different. For a, for a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of businesses and, and people are listening, it's really difficult to detach from that because the passion for their project, their service, their product is so high. It's very difficult to not take it personally. So what have you done or what tools do you use to distance yourself from essentially yourself um, to make it not personal? I guess one of the, one of the things I do is to remind myself it's about the work just as, you know, when an actor walks onto the stage, it's not about them. It's about serving the audience. And so that's the way that I, I suppose, I, the trick I use to detach from an outcome. I just go, well, if this is meant to be, if I'm the right person for this, it will follow through and it will come to fruition. And, you know, it's about serving serving the audience and in this case it, it's the client so it, you know a corporate client it's about serving them it's not it's not about me now you know it sounds like I'm, I'm being very kind of you know um on my new age here but this is not this is not what i'm saying it's uh, it's about being able to see that there's a, 
a bigger picture here. Like, for instance, I'm pitching for a huge business at the moment and I've put together a business plan, I've given it over, and now it's out of my hands. And all I can do is say, okay, I've done the best that I can. Just like an actor going to an audition, if you've done the best work, you know, there's this wonderful thing we say to actors, please don't make your best work in the car on the way home from the audition. <laughs> you know, like make sure that what you present is your absolute best work. And maybe that's where people do become very attached to an outcome because maybe they haven't prepared. Maybe they haven't actually put themselves in the space. Have I put forward my best work for this? Is this truly uh, who I am? What I've, what I've given, is this as good a job as I could do at that time? And if it is, then let go of the outcome. And it really is about, uh, it's almost like stepping back out of the space and not actually trying to force an outcome. Now, we've all been in a situation where someone has been desperate for work. And I know certainly I've been in situations where I've auditioned actors, where they've been absolutely desperate for the work. And it might not even have been a paid job. It was just that they really, really, really wanted that role. And for whatever reason, they weren't quite right. But because they were so there was that element of desperation, there's a pushy energy with that that actually makes people back away. So that's one of the things that the detachment that comes is actually about not pushing yourself on at someone, but just being yourself and saying, you know what, I'm actually okay with who I am. And if I'm not right for you, then I'm okay with that. Yeah. And if I can use a little story to give that a, a bit more of an example, many, many years ago when I decided I really did need to go back into the corporate arena and um, a bit more than an was in the time I went and interviewed for a role for a big blokey company based here in Queensland and as part of that interview process they wanted everyone to present for 15 minutes about themselves and why they were the perfect fit for the job now to me that was like doing an audition and in fact I kept on referring to it in my head as an audition and I thought okay so if I'm doing an audition for this job what is it that would sell me the best you know they they wanted to see someone who they one of the brief uh, points was that you know they did want someone who was creative and a bit out of the box because they needed someone to create events for them and do a whole heap of other stuff and i thought well okay so what would create that element of surprise and intrigue what would get them really engaged with me and so i decided to sing a song <laughs> and i've got to say there's uh, not many job interviews where someone would sing a song in it I would imagine there'd be almost none. <laughs> and I spoke to the agent who put me forward for the job and she said, you're absolutely sure you for someone out of the box. I'm going to do a little, so I did a rework of a patter song from a Gilbert Sullivan piece called I am the model of a modern major general. Yes. And I reworked it to be, I am the model of assistance secretarial. And that was a real mouthful to try and sing. I can tell you. And uh, I, and my presentation, I did the, what they were also expecting, but then at the beginning of it, I sang this song and the panel sitting around the board had, a, you know, they, basically their jaws hit the table. They did, had no idea what was this woman doing, but because it was something very unusual and it intrigued them, and they, oh my God, that was such a breath of fresh air. And because yeah. the was, we want someone out of the box, I thought, 
if you don't like what I do, I don't have a, I don't have a point of view about that. I'm okay with that. But this is me. This is all of the different elements that I can bring to this job. And yeah, if you want me to sing in an event, I could do that as well. <laughs> so there's, <laughs> there was a lot that was at play there. And, um, but really it was about showcasing me. That's what they want. That was what the brief was showcase yourself. And yeah. I thought, well, I'll do it in a way that will be very difficult to forget. Yes. But I wasn't attached to the outcome. It was like, well, this is me, warts and all. If you like it, that is fantastic. I'll get the job. If you don't like it, then I'm not the right fit for you anyway. Yeah. So it's about having that mindset of being able to um, just step back from what the outcome be, but giving it your absolute best shot. Right. And yes, I did now, get the job. You did get the job? Yes. Excellent. I was going to say now the listeners are going to want to know the outcome. So uh, that's the tip for anyone out there. If you're ever going for a job or pitching, sing a song. Maybe well, sometimes, not. you know, doing the unexpected is yeah. actually the thing that's going to set you apart. So in, in your experience across your uh, vast array of things that you've done, what do you reckon have been your top three secrets to your success? Oh, the top three well, the first one would have to be be yourself. Right. You know, because there's no point in trying to be someone else, you know, as Oscar Wilde says, mm-hmm. be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. It's one of my favourite uh, quotes. And I think, so the secret to that is to, to be yourself and trust that you are enough for what you are putting out there. So I think, um, how would you encapsulate that? You probably talk about self-belief. So uh, I think having a strong sense of self-belief and um, belief that you can do what you're after. Uh, The second one would be perseverance. Now I've, as you know, we've talked about, I've tried a a lot of different things. Some things have worked really well and some things I've, I've gone, tried for a long time. I don't really think that's, that's for me after all. It's about being, um, being perseverance and being flexible because sometimes things don't pan out the way you expect. And so you have to be flexible. You've got to be a bit creative about, so what do I do next? Is this like dead in the water or do I need to try, do I need to rework that, try something else? So being flexible, I think is absolutely imperative that you don't get fixed and that it's back to your mindset that you don't get so fixed on how something's going to look and the way it's going to show up that you don't see the opportunities that are actually maybe showing up in a slightly different form. Okay. So, um, yeah. So self-belief perseverance, because yes, you do, you just have to keep working at something, um, you know, don't don't get that final hurdle or, you know, before you press the tape and the flexibility, being flexible in your approach. Well, is there any key things that you wish you'd known sooner? Like there's a lot of time we say, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So what do you wish you'd known way back at the beginning before you started this journey? I think uh, what I would love to have known was that it didn't have to be either or. It took me a long time to realise that I could actually do everything that I wanted to do and blend this kind of fairly unique uh, career for myself or businesses for myself out of everything that I'd learned. Whereas there was a lot of uh, advice at the time about do one thing or do that thing, you know, like niche yourself, do that. I listened to a lot of and 
felt I was quite miserable in different jobs and because I thought, well, that's all I'm allowed to do. And I didn't realise that I had the capacity uh, to blend all of this together, that it wasn't either or, it was and. Okay. And did I, you get I a lot of... This and this. Did, did you get a lot of peer pressure from family and friends when you're doing your theatre stuff to sort of, and it's time to settle down, just focus on your work and, you know, did you get that kind of pressure? Not so much from family. Parents were incredibly supportive. They insisted I finished um, high school and that, you know, I wasn't allowed to do any theatre, but I begged and begged and begged and begged. And in my final year of school, I actually was given like a major role in uh, one of the, uh, the musical that the school was doing. And I think they realised how much I loved it and that it, you know, it meant so much to me that they allowed me to do it rather than just focus on, you know, my year 12. And so they were really, really supportive and uh, they were incredibly proud of, of everything, like whether it was, um, you know, that I was suddenly asked to choreograph something or that I was, you know, I got a lead role in a show or that I got a job that was really well paid or that I bought a unit. They were always, uh, and they still, you know, my, my dad's passed many years ago, but my mum's still alive. And there are still times that she'll say, you know, we're so proud of you and proud of that you went your own way, that you created your own road and you didn't listen to, uh, you, you just followed your own drum. And, you know, that's always been really important to me. But there were times where I listened to a lot of other advice uh, from, from friends or people in the industries that I was focused on who said, oh, no, you really should just focus on one area. And I'm thinking, well, that's actually really boring. You know, I'm a, I'm a polymath, if you like. I, you know, like I, I, I do a, a lot of things. I, I love having lots of creative input into my business. So... For me to just do one thing, I, you know, I was thinking, oh, I can't think of anything more boring, but, you know, maybe I should do that. And sometimes I'd last in a job for, oh, maybe three years. And then I go, no, I just cannot do this. Uh, just focusing on one thing. So my advice was probably more about like listening to it, but always following my, even if I did go in the wrong direction, then stopping going, oh, okay, well, maybe this isn't quite what I wanted. So what could I do differently and how could I change that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's next? What's next for Simone Haas and the speaker's director? Oh, it's like, what, what, what do I feel like creating today? So I'm in the process, as I said, I've got this big proposal on the table at the moment, which will um, require a lot more corporate work. And so I'm really excited about that. But for me, I suppose the next part is to actually start to take on more of a global role with my speaking and helping people to tap into their personal story and their business story. And I'm looking to create that in a more, uh, yeah, looking for a global audience for that, helping corporates become more connected to their story within their business and also personally to create deep connection within their companies and within their teams. So I'm starting to build that on a, a, a global stage for myself for this year. Fantastic. And look, if people um, like the sound of that and want some help, you know, growing their voice, how can they get in touch with you? Okay. Well, there's uh, they can call me. I'm on the phone. I have my phone with me all the time, so I'm quite accessible by mobile. I'm happy to share that. That's 0412-674-535. Otherwise, just hop onto my website, which is www.thespeakersdirector.com.
www.thelandofmyfathers.com and you can contact me via my um, contact details there and happy to chat with anyone who'd like a little help in uncovering their story. Fantastic. Simone de Haas, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great chatting with you. Oh, my absolute pleasure, Warwick. Thanks for having me on the show. Not a problem. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. Don't forget, head on over to our Facebook page and join the conversation there. Look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and we hope you can get more success.